Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the True Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Apollonia Rockwell, and I have someone really special with us this morning. I have Michael Kleinpeter, and first of all, Michael, how are you doing this morning? Doing really well, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I was telling Michael offline that I'm just really excited to to dive deep into the philosophy about your book. Uh, Michael is the author of a novel, The Right Way, and this is really interesting because from what I understand, this book is about the fundamentals of safety. And I think that what I'm interested to hear most from you is your personal unique philosophy around safety. And guys, Michael has over 20 years of, of, of safety experience in the, with several safety, uh, several construction companies. And so that's why I'm really excited to talk to you today. So yes. So tell us about your book. What is this book about? So uh, a few years ago, probably six, seven years ago, what I realized is that um, when, when someone goes to school for to be a project manager, operations manager, construction manager, something like that, uh, our, our future PMs, our future CEOs, maybe, maybe uh, uh, construction owners is there's really not safety taught at that uh, level for that type of curriculum. They, they teach you how to, how to run a business. They teach you how to um, be a project manager and run construction sites, but they're also responsible for safety. And if you look on any, almost any type of uh, job posting for a position like that, uh, construction manager, project manager, operations manager, something along, along those lines, there'll be a little blurb in there about safety. Yeah, yeah. Or how do they know what to do? What does that mean? So I kind of just thought, you know, some way, somehow, I'd like to at least teach the folks that I work with how to do this. And it kind of just went out into a, uh, a book and um, did a couple of conferences and spoke on that. And it was well received. And I thought, yeah, I, I need to write this down and, and make it official. So that's where it came from. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, working primarily with construction companies and being in that construction industry, what was the biggest thing that you realized? I mean, I hear you saying that one, there's no curriculum and, and leadership. Oftentimes they don't have this formal training of how to have a safety culture, how to embrace safety in your organization's culture as a whole. So there's, there's that missing piece there. And what did you often find? Did you find that owners and leaders that they, they had a heart for safety, they just didn't know how to get there or their heart simply was safety's last priority. This is just a nuisance. This is just on, it's just one of the things that I have to worry about like legal. So that's a great question. And I'm, I'm, I'm smiling here because uh, it's, it's a lot of both. Um, yeah. I can imagine uh, that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, there, there's uh, people have to say the right thing. But whether they follow what they're saying is a different story. I call it, you know, uh, talking the talk or walking the walk. And, and uh, uh, then there's an aspect of walking the talk. And so you see a lot of people in the upper levels of, a, of an organization that, that 
you know, I think in their heart, as you said, they, they want people to go home safe. They don't want people to get hurt. Mm-hmm. But then what does it take from a management, from a company, from an employer standpoint to make sure that happens? Mm-hmm. And then you got the two most uh, common things that, that are, are uh, I'll say, marginalized at times, which is time and money. Mm-hmm. And so uh, especially time, because uh, you have to meet schedules and you got to meet budget. So um, I would answer your question as to say it's a little bit of both. But uh, the book that I wrote is born out of a lot of failure, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. my own failure, but also what I saw and how safety was managed from from an operational level. Mm-hmm. What are the what are those failures that you could speak on? I mean, I think that there's this on seen battle with the safety challenge, right? I guess that's the best way that I could describe it is just this, this safety challenge. And a lot of our listeners are safety professionals. But then we also have a lot of listeners that are just leaders and organizations. They're, they might be the owners or their supervisors. So we have that broad audience. What would you say that you recognize quickly that most companies are dealing with this? this challenge, you know, like what was that? What was that thing? Um, I think they don't really know what it means to manage safety. Um, There's almost maybe a conscious or unconscious abdication of safety management to the safety professional. Oh, we have a safety person, you know, that's trained, educated, experienced on site. So they're going to take care of safety. They're going to handle it all for us. Safety department's going to handle safety. It's It's their role. It's their responsibility. Their fault if something goes wrong. That's right. Got it. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, when, when I when I when I wrote this, it was a, a bit of a definition of the right way, but it was an outline of what the roles and responsibilities are at each level of management from executive all the way down to the worker um, and, and mm-hmm. what it takes to 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 lead and manage safety, not just follow compliance. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of that approach of going beyond going beyond compliance. And so. What does that look like? I mean, what's unique about your perspective, why I was so excited to talk with you is that you have seen companies that are small, medium, large, right? You've seen companies that are, um, they're doing things the elite way. You've seen companies that have, that they've been there. They're the golden star, they're the standard. And by no means, I'm sure no company is perfect, but can you describe what it looks like, what it feels like, what an organization, how that is ran properly when um, when leadership is embracing safety, when the team, when the every single, you know, every single department of that organization is rowing in the same direction. And what is that? What does that dreamland look like for the rest of us? Yeah, that, that's a great question. It, I think the first thing is the people who are in charge at whatever level, <clears throat> you have to care about the people that you're leading and managing. Yeah. If you don't care about those people, then you're not going to lead them as people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, you know, unfortunately, I've experienced it where you have managers, leaders of different levels, and they view the, the, the people who are doing the work, the ones that are exposed to the hazards mm-hmm. as replaceable parts. Mm-hmm. Somebody gets hurt or worse. Um, we get another one. And, and that's a, a, I think everyone would agree. That's a horribly wrong perspective. Unfortunately, it still exists. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is, is just to care. You have to care about the people you lead and manage. And when you do, the theory is the thought is that you will do what you have to do as an individual, as a leader 
to provide that safe and healthy workplace that they require. And then the second thing is, is, uh, is it's one of the, I call it a dirty word of safety. Um, I haven't written this down, anything, but, it's, but accountability. Um, we have to hold people accountable. And that doesn't mean punitive. It just means this is what you're expected to do. As your leader, I expect you to do this. And if you don't, you're going to have to let me know why you're not doing it or why it's not working. But there's a level of accountability that has to be in place too. So um, I've been in places where neither one of those were there. And I'm extremely fortunate to be in a great place right now where both of those are, are evident and practiced. Mm, okay. Oh my gosh. Well, I think that, I think that those words all as safety professionals hearing that there is a little sting because we're either working, we're thinking about the company that we're working with, or if you're a consultant, you work with several companies, that word is something that just resonates because there's a lot of times as safety professionals where an incident does happen and maybe management picks and chooses who's going to be held accountable. Like if it's, if it's, you know, one of the owner's buddies and they're her and then, you know, management doesn't care as much if it's, if it's somebody, you know, maybe newer or just whatever it is. I think that safety managers are always trying to figure out, you know, what does accountability look like for the whole organization for every single person. So I like that. Um, here's a question that I've, I really wanted to ask you. It's something that I get asked a lot, but let's say a company, I'm interested to hear your perspective. Let's say a company is approaching you and uh, maybe they have around, they're in that sweet spot of maybe 100 and 200 employees. And they're telling you, Michael, I don't know what is wrong with my employees. They just don't get it. We, you know, safety sucks. They just don't care. I'm investing in all their training and they just, they're the problem. Come in here and fix all my problems. Michael, you're the safety consultant. Come in here and whip it, whip everybody into shape, figure it out. What is the first step that you do with that company? So I would tell them if you really want to affect change and make a positive change, you have to understand a couple of things. One, it's going to take time. So you have to be patient with the change. Um, two, you got to be tolerant with, with, with uh, the people that you're working with. Mm. And then the third thing is there comes a time when you cannot allow someone to continue with their, uh, their actions. So there's a, a quote that I love. It's one of my favorite quotes out of safety. It's from John Cotter uh, in his book, Leading Change, if you're familiar with that. And he mm -hmm. says, if you cannot change the person, then you have to change the person. Oh. He, right. So, I mean, what he's saying is if you can't change the perspective, the paradigm, the, 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 the behavior of the individual, then at some point you need to change the person to somebody who will. Yeah. And you know, it's a, it's a hard part of managing and leading. And especially when it's your, maybe your top producer, one of your favorite people, one of a family member, something like that. Yeah. But at some point, if you want to get to where you need to be, then you have to consider that option. Now it's, it's a, I'm not an advocate whatsoever of, of, of removing people from their job because they're, they're working for a reason to support and provide for somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, a business decision may have to get made. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that that simple reminder is huge for all of us, whether you're a safety professional or you're just in, you know, you're in a leadership role at an organization. And I think that all of us, I like how you painted that. All of us can immediately went to a, a, um, a scenario that we're currently working with or they, or we just know of the scenario where 
there is a certain person within an organization that is causing havoc, havoc, havoc. And for whatever reason, valid or not valid, the company holds tight to that person Mm -hmm. or those people. But at some point, maybe a change does need to happen for the bigger picture. You know, if, if all the training has been invested in this person, if you've worked with this person and they're just not getting it and they're a bad apple or their perspective around safety just isn't changing. I mean, I agree with you that some, that at some point you have to part ways. There's a common, um, common, uh, I call it an excuse, a phrase that we've probably all heard. Uh, I've always done it this way and I've never been hurt. Yeah. And I just, yeah. We'll add a three letter powerful word to the end of that sentence. And yet, uh, yeah. what do you do as a company at that point? Yeah. You know what? I let this person get away with it because he never got hurt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when, when people try to use that excuse, I always, uh, ask them, I say, okay, so you continue to do that. And then you get hurt, uh, or you're in the hospital or worse. Do you think your family will care how many times you got away with it prior to this incident? Yeah. What's going to be more important to them? The fact that you got hurt or they're in a funeral um, or that you got away with it a hundred times prior or whatever the number might be. Mm. And, and so we have to hold people, you know, we have, there, there's, you know, enforcement is another dirty word. It doesn't need to be dirty, but as managers and leaders, we have to enforce the expectation. It doesn't mean being humiliating, uh, yeah. uh and embarrassing or anything like that. Just making sure that people are going to follow the expectation. Mm-hmm. So another form of accountability. You know, that kind of, I don't know why my mind is going here, but, you know, talking about how, if there, if there were, if there were to be an accident at the end of the day or to, with an individual that's saying, this has never happened to me before. We've done it like this my whole life, my whole career, nothing has happened. And I like how you said that the powerful word is yet. Have you, and I'm sure you have worked on several, several incidents. Can you tell the listeners about an incident that really resonates with your heart? When you hear the word incident, this is the one that comes up. Um, can you tell me, can you tell us what that experience was like all the way through with the you don't have to mention names or, you know, companies or anything like that, but just the emotions involved with an incident. Sure. Um, and I will try not to get emotional as I tell the story because I usually do. It, it involves a double fatality. Um, and uh, there was a, a, a crew of three and they were uh, assigned to go uh, check to see if there is a, a rubber plug and a lateral between two sanitary sewer mm-hmm. 60 inch lines. So mm-hmm. um, their instructions were to go check to see if there was a rubber plug in there and take it out because both lines have been made active. Okay. So they did that. And when they did, <clears throat> they, um, there was a decision made to, well, the plug is there. It's not supposed to be there. I'm going to take it out. Mm-hmm. And so the foreman, the person in charge of that three person crew, uh, for, for some reason made the decision to go in this active sanitary sewer manhole to pull the plug out. Um, and when he did, he was overcome by the hydrogen sulfide associated with sanitary sewer. <clears throat> and then another individual, um, just crew member one, went in to go try to save him. Mm-hmm. Was overcome, mm-hmm. so they were they both passed. Mm-hmm. The third crew member did not go in, and the third crew member happened to be the brother, <coughs> excuse me, of the first crew member, and he did what he had been trained to do. 
he went and knocked on the on the homeowner's door, said, call 911, my brother, my boss are in the manhole. Um, so what was what was uh, you know unfortunate about that story is that two people did what they were taught not to do. And then you had a manager leader in the foreman setting an example that ended up with two people passing. So it's kind of an example of what I was talking about before where um, they had theoretically done this type of thing before and gotten away with it. Sure. This time they didn't. The third crew member, when he, through, through the OSHA, through litigation, all of that, he kept being asked, why did you not go in to help your brother or your boss? And he kept saying this, he kept saying, because I was trained not to. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, 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 the good part is somebody said, yes, my training works and I'm going to follow my training. Two people did not do that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And so that always sticks in my mind. Um, you know, I tell a very lengthy story of that with more detail uh, when, I, when I speak at conferences and such, or when I, when I, when I teach here with, with our company, I, I tell that story. So mm-hmm. um, that, that's an emotional story that always sticks with me that uh, uh, is very tough to, to remember. Absolutely. I can, I can only imagine, right. We can, all of us can only imagine working alongside of that incident, you know, being involved, understanding the emotions of the families involved. And I mean, that's, that is an extreme tragedy, right. That those families will never, ever forget. And I think that when we do talk about kind of like you said, those, those words that we don't like to, we don't like to bring up enforcement, accountability. This is why, because training, like your life depends on it because it does is something that I don't know. I don't know if it's talked about as much as, as it should be in training classes. And I understand safety training gosh, I know a lot of people are, oh, I don't want to go through this training or I don't want to go through, you know, I've done this, I've done this training a million times or what am I really going to learn? But I mean, just this story that you just explained there is exactly why, because two sons, brothers, um, fathers, you know, were, you know, lost in, in a tragic incident like that. And you go back to following training, following protocol and, Um, so I think that as safety professionals, we have, and it's not even safety professionals. I'm sure you agree. It's any leader, it's any human in an organization. It's our role and responsibility to care and to take care of the people that we're working around. Can you talk about that a little bit about when you work with organizations, do the successful ones, and I know you, you hit on it earlier, the successful companies that have that elite program, that elite care for safety, it's not that just the safety's responsibility to, to be your brother's keeper, right? I mean, it's you see organizations embrace this as a whole. Companies that care for one another, that root, it doesn't, it doesn't just come from leadership, but it's boots on the ground. There's this level of care. Absolutely. Right? Early in my career. Um, you know, I had this sense of power, you know, Hey, I'm the, I'm the safety guy, you know, you're going to do what I say. Right. And, and yeah. I'm the guy, I'm the person, you know? And, and so, uh, you know, I admit I had, I had some arrogance there and, and I was a uh, company I was with at one time. Um, the operations manager was saying, you know, safety is a support function for what we do. And I actually got offended at that during that conversation. I'm like, 
uh, no, we are a primary, you know, and all this stuff. But the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what, that's true. And um, where I am now, that's exactly what we talk about. And it comes from the CEO. The mm. CEO of our company will say, because he's, he's involved in some of the, 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 the safety management training that we do. He's been a part of every single one that we've done, which is wow. huge. It's a great impact. Wow. But he will say, we lead, meaning, meaning, meaning uh, the operations, we lead safety. Safety is here to help support us. And it's 100% true because uh, we, we've all heard of SQP, right? That's, that's one of our models here, right? Safety, quality, production. Mm-hmm. So as a leader for operations, you have to manage the production, the quality, and the safety. So if, if a leader at any level of operations is not going to allow a workers or subcontractors to build the job slower or over budget than what is the schedule allows, mm-hmm. and if that leadership is not going to allow the workers or the subcontractors, whatever you're leading, managing to build the job that's not according to design, that's the quality, Mm -hmm. then you cannot allow them to build it not according to the safety expectation. Mm. You can't can't just do two, you have to do all three. So um, that's where that comes into play, I think. And that's, that's, uh, it's been very effective. And if you don't mind a a shameless plug here uh, to just to kind of let, let everyone know how this works. Yeah. Um, the company I work for, Lindbeck, uh, we won the AGC uh, 2021 Grand Award, uh, which was massive. And I mean, basically, they're saying that Lindbeck, out of the all the AGC members, has the best safety program in the country. Oh, my goodness. We're a part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it really speaks to the level of effort that everybody has in the company, but it starts with our CEO and he demands from the people that his direct reports and all the way down, that's that level of accountability. Mm-hmm. And so um, the things that I'm saying, I, I can say they work because that's brought it to that level of not just recognition, but we have a, a safety record. We have a safety record that supports that. And what supports that safety record is all the effort that everybody puts in to making sure we are leading and managing safety appropriately for the benefit of the workers. And so that's how a call comes around and, and, and kind of closes a circle, so to speak. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I think that there's so much practical advice there that listeners can take away today. You know, hearing it from you I and from the accomplishments that the company you're working with has achieved. Mm-hmm. This is not just lip service, guys. This is tried and proven that organizations that have, what I hear you saying is that organizations that truly have leaders all the way from the CEO invested in in the level of care, accountability, and isn't afraid to set expectations, um, that type of company is going to thrive and that type of company is going to have an elite safety program. And so many of our listeners are looking to take their safety program to the next level. So I think you provided a very clear roadmap of how to get started. And it would be awesome because of our, um, our time uh, how we have to be short on time, how we have to wrap up. I already knew that this conversation was going to go by in, in two seconds because I had a million questions for you, but I would love to do a part two. I mean, what I hear you saying is the foundation of how to get how to get started with a great safety program. And guys, we're going to link Michael's contact information um, his social profiles. So you can get in touch with them if you have any more follow-up questions on this topic specifically, how to take your safety culture to the next level. But it would be awesome 
awesome if we could do a part two just to talk about there. All right, we have the foundation. What about what are some other tools? What are some other ways um, that our organization can go to the next level? Because you're there and you've helped companies get there. So we have the expert here, guys, Michael, in front of us. So thank you so much for your time today, Michael. Again, I already knew this was going to go by in a jiffy. So um, thank you so much for your time today. And I really hope that we could do a part two if your schedule allows it. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It It's good talking to you. Thank you for what you do also. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I, again, I would love to, let's say connected and I would love to talk with you hopefully next month or the next few months. I'd love to talk again. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Thank you everyone. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening again. We'll link all of Michael's information and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the true safety podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode. 